0: Coffee with Colby, episode 15. Let's go! Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to today's episode of Coffee with Colby, the show that is about helping you put your best foot forward on your professional path. In the time it takes to enjoy one cup of coffee, we are going to cover the challenges that crop up in the workplace and how to balance your career and your personal life. This is all of the stuff that you need to know that they didn't teach you in school. Thanks for tuning in as always. I'm Colby Reed, and... This is my show. Quick, friendly reminder before we get started. Of course, uh, if you are enjoying what you're hearing on this show, would love if you take two seconds right now, pause the show, open your iTunes account, give us that five star review. That's going to help raise up our podcast uh, in the search results. Anyone who's looking for career focused content is going to be able to find this. Hopefully, help them in their search for a job and a career that they love. Also. Would love to connect with you on social media. You can hit me up on Twitter at Colby Reed, C-O-L-B-Y-R-E-A-D-E. Also happy to answer your questions on a future show. That all being said, time to get down to business. And as promised, today we are going to complete kind of our three-part series that I've outlined here on uh, getting fired and what to do. And today we're actually going to talk about what to do before you get fired. This is something... I don't care how secure you are in your job right now. This is an exercise that I'm going to outline here that everyone needs to do on a regular basis. And here's why. Getting fired actually sets off two different issues in your brain. The first is focused purely on a performance level. It's the work side of things. The first thing that your brain focuses on is What did I do wrong in this job? Why was I the one that could be let go? What could I have done differently? How am I going to find another job? What am I actually going to do? What can I physically do? I I need to be good at something. We wrap a huge amount of ourselves into our occupations. It becomes part of our identity. So when that gets taken away, it's this huge emotional shock right to our core. There's a second emotional shock, though, and it is more of the how am I going to survive and thrive shock. We should work because we want to, but really we work because we need to. Your job is what pays the bills. It's what pays your family's bills. It keeps a roof over your head. And when you get fired, your livelihood, the livelihood of your family, disappears. Literally, the rug gets pulled right out from underneath you. And what I find interesting in my experience and the experience of others is that fear, that fear of losing your job, that's actually what keeps people in jobs that they hate because they're too afraid to push themselves. They're too afraid of risking getting fired. And so they won't step out of their comfort zone and push for a better work environment. They won't push for a better opportunity. Now, I want to clarify, that doesn't mean that you should just go run around like a crazy person. That doesn't mean that you should pull an office space and you know mouth off to your boss or you know spend the entire day playing Tetris and eating Cheetos, but it does mean that you need to think uh, this this exercise should help you feel more confident in asking for things that you need. I know when I wanted to make my first switch, my first career switch back when I was in my early 20s, I sat and did Basically, nothing for six months. I did absolutely all of the wrong things in a job search. All I did was send my resume off to random email addresses, random HR inboxes, random job postings. I did no networking. I didn't really put myself out there because I was terrified that my boss was going to find out and fire me because I wasn't being loyal. What I learned down the road is that there are ways to be quiet about your job search and Even if you aren't being super stealth, your boss might confront you. They might not. A lot of bosses don't want to deal with confrontation, so they're just going to sit and stew. But it's really unlikely. It's not impossible, but it's incredibly unlikely that they're going to sack you just because you're looking for another job unless your performance is hurting. And we'll talk on a future episode about how to handle that conversation because, yes, occasionally your boss may come to you and say, Hey, are you job hunting? and you may or may not want to be honest in that answer. So we'll talk about that in a future episode. But I want to take that fear out of the equation right now. A lot of this podcast focuses on that first question. How do you find a job? How do you find a job that you're good at, that you can excel at and that you can love? But this episode specifically is dealing more with that second question. It's how do we take out some of the Fear and anxiety of getting fired from a personal perspective, from who we are as an individual. We can't get rid of all of it, but how can we take some of it away and kind of demystify the whole getting fired scenario? Think about it like this. Think about the last time that your city got hit by a really bad snowstorm. If you had batteries, flashlights, food stored, a radio, an iPhone charger you wouldn't be panicked it probably wouldn't be your first choice but you could manage a week stuck in your house with no means of getting to a grocery store or contacting other people it would be uncomfortable you would be counting the days until it was over but you could get through it and when those reports started ramping up of here comes the big snowstorm and everybody else is running around like chickens with their heads cut off you would be quietly confident that okay we're ready for this we're prepared We're going to get through this. This is the exact same thing that I'm trying to help you accomplish with getting fired. If you have planned ahead, getting fired is not your first choice. Nobody wants to walk through the unemployment process, but you can walk through it far more confidently and with far less stress. The problem is most people don't think about what they would do if they got fired Until it actually happens and they have this holy cow moment where the entire world crashes around them. That's why I encourage everyone to do what I call the unemployment fire drill. This is a process that walks through all the different aspects of your life that would be impacted directly if you were to lose your job tomorrow, which actually could happen. It probably won't. Most of the people, in fact, probably all of the people who are listening to this episode of this podcast right now are not going to wake up tomorrow unemployed. But as we've discussed on previous episodes, crazy stuff can happen at any time in business. Mergers happen, takeovers happen, budget cuts happen, things change and your employer is not going to give you a warning. They are not going to say in three months you're going to be laid off. You will get 30 minutes to pack up your desk. The good news is this whole process only takes a couple of hours and it will do wonders For Your confidence. I can tell you this from experience. The first time I got sacked, I was panicked in that moment. It took me weeks before I really started to feel like I had a grip on reality again. But ever since that happened, ever since I got back into a full time job, I've always had a fire drill backup plan in place. And it's given me far more confidence. I'm being dead serious. When I have those moments of you know, things like I probably shouldn't ask for a flexible schedule because my boss might fire me. Or I shouldn't go meet with that recruiter because if my boss finds out, she could fire me. Or I really screwed up on this project. I need to bury myself in my work and humble myself before my boss so that she won't fire me. Now my thought process, really? What's the worst that's going to happen? I'm prepared. So here's what you need to do. This uh, this breaks down into about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven steps. So the first thing you need to do is you need to review your personal finances. Um, you need to look at your monthly expenses. You need to be honest with yourself about, okay, if tomorrow my income went from zero from say $4,000 take home pay a month to $0 take home pay a month what could i cut could i cut my hulu subscription could i cut my uh, gym membership could i cut you know what what's the flexibility in your budget this is going to let you know what your your standard living expenses are and then kind of what your bare bones living expenses are and there's probably depending on how old you are and where you're at in life there's anywhere there can be anywhere between A few hundred to a few thousand dollars in flexibility there. You also need to ask yourself, honestly, what do you have in savings that you could tap in case of an emergency? And if you don't have money in savings, how quickly can you save six months worth of living expenses? Uh, If you got sacked tomorrow, for example, and you have two weeks of cash on hand, you are going to feel completely and totally panicked. But if tomorrow you walk in and your boss gives you your pink slip and you know that you have six months of living expenses on hand, plus you're going to be getting unemployment, plus a severance package, so realistically you've got eight to ten months before you start going into debt, you're going to feel far more calm and you're going to be far more clear-headed going into this process. If you have no money or you're already in debt and you're going to be going deeper in the hole, you're going to panic and be looking for anything. I will say, if you are in debt, if you have trouble with saving money, that is perfectly common. That is not anything to be embarrassed about. It is something that as an adult, you got to take control over. It's something that you owe to yourself and to your family to get a handle on. Uh, I strongly recommend Dave Ramsey in this in this perspective, and I want to be clear. Dave Ramsey, if you don't know, he is a conservative financial expert I don't agree with all of his perspectives on finances, but he does have a very good, very easy to understand, very basic process for helping people who are in debt get out of debt and save up their baseline living expenses. Once we get into things like investments and retirement accounts and things like that, I don't necessarily agree with with everything that he says. But his process, his, his starter process I think is really good. It's called The Baby Steps. You can check out, he's got a book called The Total Money Makeover. I think it's like ten dollars on Amazon. Also, he has a free podcast. He podcasts his radio show on online, and he goes through the system usually two or three times a day. So you could just listen to the podcast a few times, and that'll that'll walk you through. But that's where if you, if you're if you're stuck on that step, that's where I would start because as soon as you have control of your money, and you know what your resources are, it takes a lot of the pressure off of. I need this check to survive. There's still a whole lot more you need to work on, but survival is priority number one. Step number two is to review your resume, your social media presence, and your your, your application materials. It is very easy for people to update their resume, polish it up, get a job, and then it sits in a drawer for the three years they're at the company, And then it comes time to find a new job and they got to pull it out and start all over and dust it off. And it's so easy to forget the different wins and the different projects and the different assignments that you had while you were working for this company and the different roles that you had. If you update your resume on a quarterly or even biannual basis... You bring that stuff out while it's fresh. You keep it top of mind and it becomes much easier to update. The same thing needs to happen with your LinkedIn. And quite frankly, I'm a big proponent of updating your LinkedIn on a monthly basis just because it's something that people are are constantly checking. And you can store a whole lot more information there than you can on your resume as we talked about in the episode on resumes. So... You can go in and keep just a running list of all of your accomplishments. If you're a writer, all the articles you've published, all the reports you've published, all the projects you've worked on, and while it's still fresh in your mind. Also, LinkedIn has an option in the settings that allows you to let recruiters know you are open to meetings. So if you are interested in a new job, that's a passive way that you can put yourself out to the to To the recruiting committee community and LinkedIn is pretty good about only showing your stuff to recruiters that don't work directly with your company so you're not at a huge risk of finding out of, of being found out by your boss the same thing also goes for things like your cover letter it's always a good idea to kind of keep a fresh draft of that around so that in the event that tomorrow you lose your job instead of having to think coherently and write a good cover letter or, or update your resume, you've already got those materials ready to roll. You could literally walk out of the job that you were in and start sending in applications. The third step that builds off of step two is to compile work samples. And this is just your work samples. Do not, do not take proprietary stuff from your company. Do not take stuff that you do not work on, but legitimate work that could be used in your portfolio or as a work sample on an upcoming job opportunity, make sure you're bringing those things home. For example, I have a running list. uh, When I worked in the agency side of things, I had a running list of every significant piece of media coverage that I helped secure, and I also kept copies of our social media reports. Now, I would never turn those reports over to a competitor or to a potential employer because the methodology that we used was proprietary. And a lot of the information that was contained in there was specific to the client that was confidential. However, I'd want to keep those reports so that I could remind myself I grew engagement on this Twitter channel by 4% over a six-month period. Having those data points on hand is really helpful, particularly as you're walking into interviews and things like that. The next step is you want to compile your list of your top 20 career contacts and make sure that those relationships are in working order and keep them in working order. This is effectively saying if you got fired tomorrow, who are the 20 people you know who would be most effective in helping you either get a job or get connected to somebody who could give you a job? The day after you get fired... You need to be networking. You need to be sending notes out to everybody saying, hey, I just lost my job. If you want to give some details, you can, but you don't have to. I'm looking for my next opportunity. Here's specifically what I'm looking for. If you can help me, I'd appreciate it. Would love to meet you guys for coffee, uh, for a drink, for lunch, whatever and start getting yourself out there. We talked about the importance of informational interviews on a previous episode. This is the exact same thing. But you do not also want to be restarting a relationship with this email. You don't want to reach out to a manager who you haven't talked to in four years and ask them for a job. That is a, or ask for an informational interview. That is an incredibly awkward conversation. It's far more impactful if you already have a dialogue going, if they know what you've been up to, if they see the work that you've been doing, it's far easier to pick up the phone and make that phone call. After you have compiled your resume and your your portfolio materials and you know who you would call if there was a networking opportunity, The next step in this process is to start investigating your own freelance opportunities. And I've talked about this a little bit in some some previous episodes, but freelancing is a really great way to bridge the gap between full-time jobs. It allows you to A, bring in some income, it allows you to B, keep your skills sharp, and it allows you to C, uh, prevent the sense that there's a gap in your resume. Most employers aren't going to care if you've got a two-month gap if you say I left this job intentionally for this reason or blah 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 but if that's something that concerns you being able to say I left this company to do my own thing and focus on a new job search which I'm hoping will lead me to an opportunity with your company it's going to make you feel more confident this is the time to be thinking about what freelancing you could do. Maybe you work in finance and you could help people with their financial planning or their investing or doing people's ta- helping with tax forms, things like that. Maybe you could do copywriting. Maybe you could make some art pieces. Maybe you could be a wedding photographer. You may only take on a little project here, a little project there while you're unemployed, while you're actually employed. But if you have that framework in place, you can turn it on as soon as you lose your job. When I lost my job the first time, and the only time I guess it should say, I was trying to create my own freelance PR practice. Now, thankfully, as a result of that, I wound up getting a job and then my career continued, but I kept building that side practice, wound up getting a couple of of clients here and there and always had a little project going. It wasn't a lot of money, but it was a little income here and there. And what was great about it was, I had that in the back of my head, just like my finances. I knew what my family's finances were. I knew what we could manage if I lost my income tomorrow and what that picture would look like. I also knew that if I lost my job tomorrow, I could immediately turn on this freelance business full steam and start picking up more and more projects and bringing in more and more income. It puts more control in your hands. So now step six. And this is hopefully the easiest step because it should only take you about 10 or 15 minutes. But I want you to go online and I want you to review your state's unemployment policy. As I mentioned in the last episode, unemployment policies change, they evolve, and there can be some unique rules. Like I mentioned the waiting rule where you have to spend a week where you're technically filing for unemployment but you're not getting paid. There could be Rules around how you get dismissed from your employer that can impact your unemployment insurance. Familiarize yourself with that stuff now because I will again tell you from experience the last thing that you want to do is be sobbing on your couch because you just lost your job out of the clear blue sky, have no idea what you're going to do with your life, and now you've got to navigate a government website. They are not the most intuitive, they are not the easiest to understand. Having that knowledge up front so you could literally walk out of your office, come home, turn on your computer, and say, I'm filing for unemployment insurance, again, puts more control and more power in your hands. And the final piece, and I'm going to phrase this very carefully, and that is to consolidate your personal computer files and hard copies of, of, of hard files in advance. I want to stress here, do not, do not, do not... Take company files that are not yours, that are company property, that are proprietary, that are confidential. I'm talking about things like we all get photos on our work email, it happens. We all get random, random documents. You, know, you might be buying a house and you find yourself scanning and sending you know, a copy of the mortgage agreement to the banker through your work email instead of your home email. It's not something you do a ton of, but those little bits can still be on your computer. The last thing that you want to do is be standing there boxing up your cubicle or boxing up your office, likely while security is watching you, and trying to decide, okay, is this mine or is this the company's, and have them watching you while you do that sort process. Again, I can speak from experience my my boss was watching me like a hawk because i had some files in my desk that were mine i had expense report receipts that i needed to keep i had some health insurance stuff that i needed to keep and there was also you know client lists and things like that that were in my files and she was standing over me watching every single piece of paper ever since then i have everything just in one nice neat little folder i try and keep it all in like a dropbox or a google drive so that way i don't have to worry about turning on my computer i can just say here you go it's yours and I know I have access to the files at home. To wrap things up, I really hope that you never have to use this. I tell you that sincerely. My hope is that having this knowledge will be like preparing for the natural disaster that never occurs. If you are prepared for it, you'll never need to use it. If you need to use it, you won't be prepared for it. Uh, There are some people who will never have to use this and I feel so fortunate for all of you. But I also can guarantee that if you do wind up losing your job unexpectedly, this process is going to save you so much time and worry and quite frankly, if you find yourself in a position where you think you might lose your job, this is an area where you can take control, take your power. Being in control having control over situ- over scenario breeds power. Power breeds confidence. And if you are looking for a new job, employers want to see confidence. So this is all in your best interest. And that's it for episode 15. Episode 16 coming your way before you know it. Again, don't forget, hit that five-star review for us on iTunes. Drop me a note on Twitter. I'm at Colby Reed. C-O-L-B-Y. R E A D E would love to answer your questions or cover topics that are of top of mind for you. Uh, Also, please do tell your friends about the show, how much you love the show, how useful the show is. Uh, You can hit us up on Twitter, on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, share the love. Uh, And until next time, I'm Colby Reed and we'll talk soon.